Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots to learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. An absolute delight. It's been in the last days chatting to some crazy, crazy people telling me some mad stories, and it's been so cool. And today, my great honor is to chat with a fantastic man, Davide Lecini, who is in lockdown, very relaxed lockdown, by the way, in Switzerland, which I'll going to discuss in a moment. <laughs> and uh, uh, the man has been flying since 1993. Yeah. He is an extremely good-looking man at 56 years old. A good man is hard to find, but a hard man is always very good to find. <laughs> Hello, David. Hi, Steph. How are you? I'm doing smashing in South Africa. My lockdown is absolutely of the best. Yeah. Talk to us about yours, please. Okay. We have a little bit of special situation here in Switzerland with the lockdown because... Uh, if we compare with other European countries like the southern part of Europe, we are free to to move. We can go out, we can go to biking, we can go to hiking. Uh, also, most of the people are in the short time actually employees. And so that's mean you go in the morning to the office and the afternoon you stay at home. You, you do home office or even you go make uh, sport, some sports activity like biking, hiking or walking around the forest. And in my case, I use, of course, my my home hill that's just 10 minutes far away, my takeoff. And I go often, if the weather conditions are good, I go flying and make short cross-country flyings around the lake of Zug and enjoy beautiful weather. Uh, then actually we have a really, really fantastic, wonderful spring weather here in Switzerland. So Davide. the lockdown is cool, but... Oh, excuse so. me for a moment. I just want to say Daniel Tirkas, when he hears this, is going to be completely crazy because he, in his podcast, was telling me, ah, oh, Steph, I'm sitting at home looking at the sky. It's looking so good. And all I want to do is go flying. I'm so horny to fly. <laughs> yeah, in Germany, it's completely different. Uh, the lockdown is more a shutdown and, uh, of course, also the Federation, the hang gliding, paragliding Federation of Germany, they are extremely against to go out and use opportunities for flying and all the sports activity around uh, flying opportunities. Uh, we in Switzerland, our federation, of course, they advise us pilots, paragliding and hang gliding pilots, of course, as well, do not go flying in this period, but uh, uh, it's more than advice, it's not to forbidden to fly like other countries, for example, Italy, France and Germany do it. And so uh, some of the spots in Switzerland are closed, of course, because the clubs decided by the advice of the Federation to close the, the, the spots, the takeoffs, the landing fields and so on. But other ones, like our club, we decided to give the advice to the people do not make parties on the takeoffs, to don't uh, go more than three or five people, to don't do social events on the takeoffs or landing fields. But we doesn't forbid to our uh, club members 
and those are two other clubs do not come to us. We say, okay, we are open. You can still fly if the conditions are good. But of course, each individual pilot fly under his own responsibility if he has an accident or there's some inconvenience on flights or, for example, he broke on the landing field uh, a leg or an arm or something like that and he has to go to hospital. Of course, nobody takes care about them. That's, of course, the risk that you have it. But at the end, we enjoy it. But at the end, I have one suggest to everybody here in Switzerland. If you can go fly, you go fly. But at the end, what is the difference before Corona or during Corona or after Corona? Because also if someone comes more, more than or nearer than two meters to me in air, I have a serious problem with this pilot because then I have to, to sit out my reserve and go down by reserve because uh, we need a social distance also in air, but this is more than two meters, of course. And I think this is a little bit the funny side because when you are in air, you're alone and you could not have social distance. Yeah, of course, we have something very different in South Africa, as you know. And uh, just before this um, actual podcast, when we were chatting uh, casually, um, you um, understood completely that, uh, and you said it, you said Switzerland and South Africa don't even compare the two. Um, we, of course, have situations where many, many people are living hand to mouth. Uh, informal traders have been stopped from working. Um, that's three weeks tomorrow. So our lockdown started three weeks ago. Uh, we have another extension of two weeks. Even our opposition party have been saying, please relax the rules, make things different. It's about social distancing. It's not about six people actually living in a small hut together. And the problem is exacerbated in that regard, not the other way around. So the problem is made worse because one of the six is going out to a pool hall to drink a few beers, to touch a lot of guys, to be close to people, maybe to sleep with a prostitute or a girlfriend or to be out there and then bringing that back. So in this way, um, and we're extremely lucky. We've only had 20 deaths with corona in South Africa. But our big madness and thousands of deaths is still coming. So, mm. And it will come in a very exponential way. Um, yeah. So from our side, we have a lot of people misbehaving. But we also have such a situation like the city of Cape Town said, no kite surfing, no surfing. Two guys arrested or threatened to be arrested or standing their ground and saying, right, we go to jail uh, because we want to make a point. But they're not making a point because... It's a rule by the city of Cape Town to say, don't go and kite and to surf. But the city of Cape Town have made a big mistake by not thinking beforehand, hey, folks, it's not about doing sport. It's about doing sport away from other people. Just think yep. about that. A pilot friend of mine is coming from Cape Town to here and back. And he has a permit. He's allowed to move because he has a battery company. He makes big batteries mm -hmm. for all, all sorts of things. He has to be able to move around. So he's also decided to lock down outside of his own home here in the countryside. Much nicer. I mountain bike every day. I go rocking, rock climbing. And, and this guy got stopped at a checkpoint. And at the checkpoint, the police checks his permit. But from his clear view, 200 meters away, is a huge big soccer match with a lot of spectators and a lot of people making hali gali and playing soccer. Mm -hmm. And then another soccer match next to it, another one after that. Three huge soccer matches with hundreds of people around having a big party, mm -hmm. completely disregarding what is social distancing. So my big problem is that our president has not stood up on TV and educated people because that's actually what's needed here in South Africa. The way um, on the whole situation, if you compare the audio that now says that to, to the situation that we have, of course, we have also all this rules and wise that we could not do 
big events or make some soccer events or something like that. But at the end, I think the responsibility and the federal government council of Switzerland, they give clear advice what you can do in all, in your own responsibility and what you could not do. And I think this is uh, one of the the most important criterion if you compare also to other countries. This is the right, the reason uh, also because we doesn't have a, a real shutdown or a really completely lockdown of the social life in, in Switzerland. Of course, we could not also go to the bars and drink a beer with, with friends or to met friends and make a huge grill party or something like that. This is not, this is really forbidden also for us. But everybody uh, accepted. And we see now we are on the fourth week of the lockdown. So that means that we are all, we passed a long time already at home and uh, everybody accepted. And of course, this means also because we accepted the rules, we follow the rules, the overall rules, that this gives us also some free space like that, what I explained, that we can go to hiking or we can go to biking. And That's maybe the difference that we have. But yes. of course, I, know. I want to tell you another quick story about one of our ministers who had a big garden party and a big lunch <laughs> with a lot of people. A minister. Yeah, and yeah this, is, uh, is, I could imagine that. But at the end, this, think, is, this is maybe the, the situation that the, 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 the people on the road, the normal people, doesn't uh, follow the rules because they see that uh, the political side cheat with yeah. the people with the society, then also why they have to follow the rules and advice from, uh, from the government, from the minister. And uh, what we can recognize that our political side is very, very correct. They, they have the same rules to accept that they, they, they may be forced more to be more on the rules side than the other ones. And so the people accepted and uh, understood uh, the advices and everything. And at the end, they, they follow the rules. And this means also for us, follow the rules, more liberty and more opportunities. That's maybe the difference. But I think that's typical Swiss. <laughs> that is Swiss. That's Swiss. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's quite Swiss. I was thinking it in my head. And in South Africa, it's quite the opposite. I mean, it's here. If one guy is doing something bad, everybody is allowed to do it because one yeah. guy has... You know, yeah, that, I think they, I think the South African uh, South Africans are more Italians than Swiss. <laughs> uh, they are a mix between, let's say, uh, Moroccans, Greeks, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, anywhere that the people are established. I mean, tomorrow I uh, interview Felix Rodriguez, and uh, I tell you what, uh, I'm looking forward to a good laugh with him. It, this is completely on the other side, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I think this is also sometimes also a little bit uh, empathy of a, uh, of a peoples and uh, the culture of, a, of society and how they accept other ones and try to, to live together sometimes also and not to cheat on each other. That's sometimes mm -hmm. very important. <laughs> Davide, you, as long as I know, have been flying, as I said, 1993 when you started. Um, you, were, uh, 20, you are 27 years in the sport. And the list of what I asked you simply to tell me of what kind of results you've gotten is extremely impressive. The number of tasks the PwC you've won, number of um, uh, Swiss League, Italian League, man, it goes on. It's actually impressive. Congratulations. Um, obviously, you feel really good. 
having done all of that. But I think you feel good in another respect too, because you're a man who is heavily tied in sponsorship in um, paragliding. And uh, your um, side or your angle is that you work for a big clothing company called Jack and Jones. Fantastic. As long as I've known you and I've known uh, your involvement, your name, Jack and Jones, or your companies rather, has been coming up there. And I thank you from the whole paragliding community, deep from my heart, for doing that. I think it's really, really great if you can. You've even offered me a generous, generous opportunity to be able to um, have those kind of a possibility or a lighter version of bringing some clothing to Africa. So thanks a lot. You are going to tell us and dispel the mystery for young people who think sponsorship is everything. Over to you. <laughs> okay, first of all, thank you for all the compliments. Uh, that's really kind and nice from your side. And Steph, we both, uh, we know ourselves so many, many long time ago. And uh, I think uh, we could be really uh, happy that we could use and join uh, sort of wonderful sports, uh, this uh, 20 sports like paragliding. Uh, about sponsor, first of all, what I would remind to every young pilot, young, that doesn't mean 20 years old, those are the 50 years old young pilots. Uh, sponsorship <laughs> in paragliding, you don't get billionaire or millionaire. Uh, forget them. If you dream about a lot of money in sponsorship in paragliding, then then it's definitely the wrong way to the wrong way to achieve sponsorships. Uh, to find good sponsor, uh, you have to really thinking about yourself in first time. Uh, what are your targets? What can you offer to a sponsor? Why a sponsor has to invest money on you? or pay you, for example, the equipment, the whole equipment that you need to go around uh, and make comps around the world or also national comps. So that's uh, many, many targets that you are thinking about it and not only go and mean because you're a, a cute, nice guy and you are good looking and maybe you are the, the best uh, acro pilot on your takeoff. That's not enough for a sponsor. A sponsor, uh, it's very important to think all the time. Sponsoring means uh, money. That means also if they pay only thousand bucks, thousand dollars or euros, uh, it's one that gives money and he wants to pay back on this money. What is the target that you can bring? What are the goals that you bring to pay back the monies that the sponsor invests on you? That's a really, really important questions before you start to look for sponsors. When you go to look for sponsors, uh, a sponsor must be also related to the sport. It doesn't make sense to make a sponsorship with a fish restaurant, for example. If this guy from the fish restaurant has no, uh, no uh, points in with you within the, in the paragliding, for example, that he says, okay, I'm also a pilot and I want that someone flies around my restaurant on the harbor view with my logo on the, on the, on the, on the glider. That, that could be a, a situation that you can win a sponsor. But if you want really a major sponsor, then you have to looking from a company, from companies that have a point in common with a, with a paragliding, if it's a shoe, it's a clothing or, a, or a maybe also a sunglasses company or something like that, that you can 
combine something together and then find out what, what are the targets from the company and what are your own targets or your goal that you can bring back the money, like the value of the money that's coming in to you back to the company. That is very important. Sometimes companies, they want to achieve new customers, for example. Mm-hmm. If you know that, work on, this, on these targets. Why could be paragliding something extraordinary, something especially for the people? And then you can start to work on these targets, on these goals, on these points. And of course, you need a good presentation map. A sponsor won't know who are you, why you fly, since when you fly, uh, your targets and your sports, your uh, career on the sports, uh, how much you invest from your time, for your time, uh, from your money also in the sports, and what are the goals that you want to achieve? Want you be a local pilot to make some design around a local situation, or you want to really go in the national team? You want to be one of the top 10 pilots from your country. You want mm-hmm. flying in, in uh, international comps and so on. I think that is very important. So, so many points come in. And of course, you have been also a, a really good communicator. You must be a communicator. You could not take only the sponsor's money. You represented those a sponsor. If you want to be, if you want a sponsorship, a sponsor money, you have to also bring to the sponsor your empathy, your personality, and you have to thinking the way you sponsor thinking. Then you achieve sponsors. But it's a, it's a hard way. It's really steep. It's not easy to go in because a lot of companies who had money to invest in sponsor, first of all, you have to convince them why they have to do that. And this is very important. And for that, you need a really good preparation in all the stuffs that you need. This was only the short version. <laughs> um, I'm absolutely, absolutely astounded. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, many thoughts are going through my head uh, as you are speaking there. Firstly, uh, just listening to you, I would like to recommend to anybody who that sounded pretty good to, to listen to it again, any young people who are interested in any kind of sniff of a sponsorship. Listen to what Davide said again, because there was a lot in it and it was really quickly said, you sound like you have actually coached or helped young people before. Maybe I could ask you, you would offer to young people who would be serious to maybe ask you for some direct advice. Yeah, of course. I I always, I teach a lot of people, pilots, young pilots here in Switzerland, as well in Italy, and also Germany, sometimes when I'm there uh, in the comps, a lot of young people came to me and asked me. One of my funnest uh, situation was, I think all paraglider pilots know Christian Maurer. Everybody. You know Christian, everybody knows Christian Maurer. I think six-time winner of the Red Bull Creek X-Alps and so on. Yeah, I met Kriegel uh, uh, with Peter Neunschwand uh, many, many years ago. Yeah, and uh, he is really a humble guy. And uh, and I remember, well, a funny story. When I uh, we was when he started uh, flying in, in, in the PWC competition, I remember once we was in France, uh, stay in the 10th place uh, near to the lake of Annecy. Uh, and, and Kriegel was really, really a pretty young 
young pilot and just his career <laughs> started at this time. I think it was 98, 99, something like that. Uh, last, uh, last uh, 30 years ago, more or less, I think so. 25 years ago, uh, 22 years ago. And, and we was in the tent and I remember Kriegel came to me and all the time, uh, also at this time I had already my sponsors and he came and he asked me, really quite a young boy, how he can get also sponsors. And we wow. just started to talk about it. And at the end, he finds some, some sponsor because he uh, follow the, 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 the requests of sponsor. He has a really good preparation. His, his uh, portfolio was excellent prepared. Mm -hmm. He has already his targets, his goals, his career. He has a planning about everything. And he knows very well what is the value from the money that came to him and how he can get, get back the value of the money to the sponsor. And 20 years later, Kriegel is a superstar in the paragliding scene. And, I, mean, and yeah. I met him sometime in the comps or at uh, Swiss League events and... Always we talk about all the stuffs and we are laughing together how is, yeah. how fast time is running and what he has achieved in all this time. Of course, at the end, uh, I can say it's hard to find sponsors, but don't stop to try. Sometimes you have to ask 10 times to receive only one thing. But at the end, if you achieve one goal of 10, you're absolutely happy and you you realize that it's possible to find it, but it's hard work. And hard work means really hard work on this way. Paragliding is not soccer, it's not Formula One, it's not skiing, other Olympic sports. We are a niche sport product. Sport yeah. products, a lot of companies want to invest because for a lot of companies, uh, niche sports means also uh, to be free, adventures, something that could be crazy or for them customer. And they want this, uh, these major points. And this is very important to thinking about also at this point. One of my funniest story about paragliding was just when I started in 93. I have at this time a Paratech P21. Uh, and we also on the on the training slope hill in, in near to Flimslags, it's in the, in the mountainside of the Swiss, East, Swiss eastern side. And okay. it was my teacher there, and it was really the training slope. And uh, he says to us all, we, I think we were 10 or 12 guys in school, in the beginners, and it was the third or the first day that we are in school. And the teacher says, hey, now we try to make a long distance fly and this, uh, we have the, the thinking light, uh, maybe uh, the, the slope was 50 meters and then you have uh, one, one 300 meter field of you and then it's coming a deep valley. Then you can fly in the valley. And uh, at this time, the, the gliders has not this efficient, like uh, we had the glider ratio like that we have today. And, and he tells yeah. me, okay, you have to run. And then you will fly. Okay, he says, I have to run and then I can fly. And he says, okay, if someone can cross the whole field, 
and come on the end, he will pay the uh, the, the teacher, uh, the instructor will pay the, the beer at the evening party. And I say, okay, I try, I run. <laughs> <laughs> then I started to run like half. <laughs> the, my P21 goes up and started to fly. And he fly, he fly. And I think I doesn't have no idea about thermics, thermals and all the stuffs. And I fly over the field. <laughs> and at the end, it's come this deep valley. And they fly down to the valley. So this was my first cross-country flying. <laughs> at the end, they have to find me out way on the valley, deep on the valley side. I was landing in a field there. Everything was okay. But at the end, uh, I think I drank 10 bottles of beer because I, at the okay. beginning, I was a little bit scary to stay so alone in the air. Uh, and nobody was there. This was one of the funny story. The second funny story was also in, a, in the training hills with my instructor in other parts of Switzerland. We flying, and then was a thin cable. I think this was a telephone line. Yeah. And I doesn't recognize that when I was in the landing preparation, I flew directly in this telephone line. The telephone line broke. I land on my feet. No, no, no problem. No injuries. Nothing. But then I saw, I think so, an old lady, over 80 years old. She's screaming and crying behind me. You fucking stupid pilot. I was on the phone. Now I don't can hear nothing. And yes, this cost me many, many money <laughs> to remake uh, the whole line. And yeah, but and of course, I have so many funny moments again, but also sometimes worst or uh, scary moments. Yes. In there, yes. uh, there is one funny story. Funny, I was uh, maybe you remember the story from the super final, the last super final from the PWC 2019. This was just one year ago, March 19, yes. in uh, Brazil. Yeah, and we flew at this day a more or less 100 kilometer task. And more or less after the start, after 15 kilometers, I had an extremely collapsed collapse and asymmetrics uh, with my spectra from flown. Uh, but the gliders recovered and I have only a small cravat. And the drive is my right arm to resolve this small problem because this was not nothing dangerous. I want to try just but in the moment that I I stretch mm -hmm. my arm to the lines. The glider uh, is like a bah. He gets a kick in front of me. And in this moment, I dislocated my right shoulder in air. Never. I dislocated. It was completely out my right shoulder. Amazing pain, of course. Down, I was uh, more or less 2,000 meters over ground. And 85 kilometers in front to the goal. And without and dislocated shoulder right. And then I say to myself, wow, what I do? Or I go to land with all this pain. I can manage this because it was really painful. Or I stay in there. I try to get so uh, quite near to the goal that I can also by phone or by radio call the organization and looked at the Kemi to rescue me when I land. At the end, I flew the last 
I, I flew the 85 kilometers with a dislocated shoulder, and then I go to the hospital. And land, and you flew with one hand because you didn't I have the I flew with one hand. Fucking hell. Fuck. This was really, wow. <laughs> this was really my worst story from the, from paragliding. For the most ridiculous, uh, you know, when somebody has a broken speed bar, big deal, you know, that's like nothing, come on, you know, yeah, yeah. you can fly the top. But to fly 85 kilometers with a dislocated shoulder, flying just yeah. with one hand. <laughs> Landing goal, this was, this, uh, yeah. Well done, well done, you've done good. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, the funny thing for the whole story was that I spent yeah. more hours than later on in the hospital to relocate the shoulder than the time that was in air with a dislocated shoulder. That was the great thing because it was so crazy. I, I just, I think I landed around four o'clock in the afternoon and from five o'clock, I think until 11 in the night, I was in the hospital. <laughs> so that's mean. Also, if you uh, dislocate the shoulder, you can always fly to the goal. <laughs> well done. Absolutely sensational. And the next yeah, day yeah. you were flying again? Yeah, yeah. Next day I was flying again. I, 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 I suggest that everybody, when he goes flying, one of the most important thing is uh, to drink a lot of water, for example. Mm. Maybe also a little bit to not only take water, but also to put some stuff in like uh, sugar or other yeah. things or uh, to combine. And some cereal bars, of course, take it with some dry cookies that you can eat it. Often when I go cross-country flying, I take always one half liter water with me, with some extra things inside, uh, sugar, mm -hmm. something like that. And of course, I take all the time some cereal bars with me, or nuts, or dry, dry cookies. And mm -hmm. I eat also often, and I drink often in the flight, to be recovered also with the body, with my mind in flight. And this is very important. It's very important mm -hmm. when you go flying. Doesn't uh, forget to drink when you go fly. If you in fly, then you have to take a urinal condom or something like that if you need it. But don't forget to drink. In in competition, like you uh, mentioned, in competition you receive you receive it every time a uh, food package, a food uh, something uh, is an apple, is a sandwich, a banana, maybe also some sugar things. Uh, use it, eat it. So eat if it. you go flying in the morning. It's better to wake up one hour earlier, uh, breakfast, made the right breakfast. And I think everybody knows what he can eat and what is good for himself. Someone want uh, eggs and ham. Uh, use it yeah. some, uh, some things like coffee or orange juice. Other ones want water and maybe only banana or some cereals. Mm -hmm. That is really important. Nutrition and drinking water or tea or something like that is very, very important when you go flying because uh, a lot of people doesn't uh, recognize or don't thinking about it. You go in air, maybe you, 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 you took off at 1,000 meters or, or even 500 meters, and then you climb up 1,500 meters, you stay at 2,000 meters above sea level. Mm -hmm. uh, the air is completely under, uh, 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 you know, on the way. Uh, the, everything is changing. Your body, your mind started thinking another way. And then you need power. And power means to be healthy, 
to be uh, enough food before you go flying, enough water before you fly. And also very important, when you land, drink. If you land, try to drink something. I noticed that, uh, sorry, David, a lot of uh, pilots I noticed who are medium cross-country pilots and stuff are not equipping themselves with something as fantastic as a camelback. Put that bloody thing in the back of your harness, have the pipe close to you so you can reach it, put it in your mouth. And one rule I always have, be I um, uh, really needing a piss or if I'm still okay, I, um, and I don't wear a condom pipe, by the way, um, Davide, I, I just take the water intake. I take a little bit careful before I go flying. And the last thing before I do is uh, take off is having a piss, which is also essential tip, by the way, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, because, you know, you'll go flying for 45 minutes and you'll think, oh, it's going to be a nice little flight. And the next thing, it's so nice, the conditions. Guys are going cross country. There's a highway in front of you. Uh, mm -hmm. a cloud street of notes and then you're flying for two hours and you, for the last hour you're holding in a piss more than anything in your life stupid idea have a piss yeah. before you take off yeah. one one uh, one red bull 250 mils plus one and a half liters of water if you like that stuff otherwise you drink healthier stuff put some protein powder in your drink but have that stuff and yeah. definitely uh, yeah. smacking it uh you're smashing it through the day bananas um, biscuits, as you speak of, uh, student and footer, um, nuts yep. and raisins, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Please yeah. carry on. Fully w. agree. Fully agree. Very, very important. Conclusion. And this has been the longest podcast I've done so far. It's been <laughs> absolutely awesome, awesome, awesome. It's been a gem to listen to your beautiful, beautiful explanations. And of course, your lovely voice too, uh, Davide. So, friend, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the funny the funny conclusion is going to be the best and the worst gliders you've ever had. <laughs> my best glider is, my actual glider is uh, the Spectra from Flow, designed by Felipe Resenda from Australia. I really love this glider. It's a CCC competition glider, of course. It's not for everyone. I came for so long, experienced competition gliders, Never flew uh, such wing that has this performance and also this passive security for opinion. Sorry? Sorry, please. Your last gliders. The two last glider was Boomerang 11 and Boomerang 10. And then I, I, I changed to flow last year for the super final. The worst glider. My worst glider. Paratex P. 6C. This was the competition glider, the competition glider from Hannes Arch. Maybe you remember Hannes Arch, but uh, I, I received it from him at this time. He was flying in the Red Bull team with Andy Hediger. I was That's more right. or less a young pilot and I received his glider for flying competition. But with this glider, for me, it was the fully catastrophe because you could not start with this glider. I could not compare with any glider that I have before or after this, after this glider, because this was really, really, really a worse glider. It was nothing. <laughs> but at the end, he was a nice glider in air <laughs> when, when he was open. <laughs> at least it had some compensation, let's say. Last words for you, my friend, as I say goodbye. Goodbye, Steph. Have a nice time. Take care about you. Stay safe. I hope that we will see us again in South Africa, in Portoville for the next competition. Let's say Inshallah. Inshallah, my friend. All the best. Stay safe. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>